shall we get started? So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you all of it. I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. From the novel by Anne Rice. From Neil Jordan, the director of The Crying Game. I've come to answer your prayers. Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat. But what if I could give it back to you? Pluck out the pain and give you another life. One you could never imagine. I can see you lying on a bed of satin. He chose one man. He gave him infinite power. Eternal life. And a daughter who would be forever young. This is the only real evil left. And then he took the light of day. You're a vampire who never knew what life was until it ran out in a red gush over your lips. Stand this any longer. You made us what we are, didn't you? God kills indiscriminately, and so shall we. Do you like dying? You condemn me to hell. everyone this is another edition of small town horror with johnny and randy i am johnny i'm randy and i hope everyone enjoyed our last episode uh my bloody valentine the 1981 version and uh, so far we're getting pretty good remarks on it yeah i've had a couple of people that i've talked to at uh one person at my work that uh hadn't never seen the movie she listened to the podcast and she said she was i'm gonna have to check it out but it was it was kind of a, a uh a uh Good one because we didn't we weren't we didn't know what to think about it. Right, it ended up being a really good movie, and it, it was one of the films that we hadn't never seen before. Yep, and I really enjoyed it. And like I said, so far so good. Uh, I've gotten some reviews online about it. So, and our uh, followers have been growing tremendously on Instagram. So just keep up the good work. Tell your friends or family if they're into podcasts or horror podcasts. Tell them subscribe and like I said, you can find us available on. Anchor, Spotify, you know, we do this every week. Apple Podcasts, you should know it by now if you listen to us. But Check us out on Facebook. Just look for Small Town Horror with uh, Randy and Johnny. Yes. And uh, the reason we're doing this week's episode is Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Randy has been wanting me to see this film for I don't know how long. But we chose this one to do in February because, yes, it's a horror movie, but it deals with a lot of romance in it too as yeah. well. So yeah, it's 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 based solely around the idea of love. 
right and love in so many different aspects not just love for like an individual but love for hatred mm-hmm. it's it it's really it's kind of like if you don't really if you've never seen it before it's one of those movies that you can sit down and watch and then go back over and watch it again to actually get some of the subtle details in it right it's, it's very poetic in a sense and i kind of um was wondering the same thing when you first brought this up and you're like, man, interview with a vampire. I was like, man, that's not, that's not horror. Right. You know, to me, it wasn't horror. I was right. like, you know, yeah, like the Dracula movies, the old school mm-hmm. stuff, but I had never seen this film before. I've only seen clips. I've seen trailers. And uh, I don't know. It just didn't seem like a horror movie. And then when Randy said, man, we should do it in February because of Valentine's Day and all that. So, yeah, this is uh, my very first time ever seeing this film. So, I know Randy's kind of excited to hear my... So, we're going to go ahead and skip to the end, and we're going to do the rating real quick. So, Johnny, no. <laughs> no, we ain't doing all that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, are you ready to kick yeah, it off? So, this is a Interview with a Vampire. It's a 1994 horror slash romance, and it was based on Anne Rice's 1976 novel, Interview with a Vampire, and it was directed by Neil Jordan. And uh, had a pretty, actually, pretty good cast. It's, right? a, it's a really good cast. You've got the, one of the main characters, Tom Cruise, is playing, playing Lestat. He, um, if you've ever seen the movie before, he's a, uh, he's your quintessential bad guy vampire. Uh, you have Brad Pitt who plays Louis, Kirsten Dunst who plays Claudia, and Antonio Banderas is Armand, and the infamous Christian Slater is Daniel Malloy. Did they ever actually say his full name? I don't know if... I don't ever remember them actually saying his name. That's what I was wondering. In the movie. Right. But uh, now it's time for the summary. So, Randy, if you want to go ahead and... Yeah, so basically, the movie all revolves around Louie, who is a plantation owner in uh, New Orleans. And he ends up... uh, He ends up hating life basically um that kind of stems from his wife uh dying in childbirth he ends up running in with a vampire the vampire bites him turns him into a vampire he hates it they end up squabbling back and forth um they find claudia they turn claudia and then kind of an interesting love triangle starts right um go on a little bit more i don't want to spoil any of it for you just yet Right, because there may be some out there that hadn't seen the film. <laughs> yeah. So just in case you haven't heard, spoiler alerts in yeah. this uh, podcast for sure. But yeah, the whole basics of it is Louis meets Lestat, turns into a vampire. He uh, finds out what true hate is, even though he thought he hated himself and he hated life. He didn't really quite know what hate was until he met Lestat. Right. So if you want to go ahead and kick yeah. us off, man. So... We start off, and it's basically we're going through the opening credits, and you just see this skyline. We're not really sure where we're at at the time. Um, but as we're rolling through the credits, it kind of strolls through the streets, and you get this uh, San Francisco. Uh, it tells you San Francisco. Uh, you come up to this building, and you see a figure in the the one of the top windows. Can't really see who it is. Well, it ends up being Brad Pitt, who plays Louie in the movie. Um and he's in this room with this other guy, and he's telling them, he's like, so you want me to tell you my story of my life? So this other guy, he's got, he ends up being Christian Slater, who plays Malloy. He's got this tape recorder out, and he's pulling out these tapes, and 
uh, Brad Pitt mentioned something about, you know, you're going to need a lot of tape. And he's like, I got plenty of tape. Right. You know, he was like, there's so much, you know, t- basically telling him he's got so much to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he tells him that he's been following him around and he tells him he's a vampire. And he says, uh, what were you going to do? Kill me and drink my blood? And he just kind of nonchalantly says, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. It. That was one of the first things is kind of, it was so subtle and so quiet how he said it, but it was also kind of bone chilling. Hmm? The way he just nonchalantly said yes. Yeah, because Christian Slater's character is just taking it like with a grain of salt. Yeah. Like he, he he's just like, what's this fruitcake doing in here? You mm-hmm. know, like he's not taking anything seriously just right. yet. So uh, he starts to take stuff seriously after he says, he kind of turns around after uh, Christian Slater is just kind of mocking him, basically. And he turns around and he says, we can't begin this way. Let me turn on a light. Then Christian Slater was like, I thought vampires didn't like light. And he was like, we love light. And then he goes to move towards the light switch. Everything flashes. The light comes on. He all of a sudden moves in front of him. So he's like darting around. Right. You know, like you would see just like moving really fast. And, you know, Malloy's like freaking out. You know, Christian Slater is uh, just freaking out, bugging out. He's like, how did you do that? He was like, same as you. Yeah. Simple gestures. Only I moved too quick for you to see. Right. Well, there was a comment in there that... um, Made me kind of laugh is because he said, I thought you didn't like light. And then, you know, he says, no, we love light. And then he's like, right. what about this, you know, the whole stake in the heart? Like, mm-hmm. it was kind of a throwback to the old Dracula, you know, not not necessarily like Bela Lugosi's Dracula, but just the whole story about like, you know, the what is it, the garlic <clears throat> and the stake. Garlic, the, crucifixes, you know. They, right, they, yeah. They, yeah, they mentioned that for sure. And he just kind of just basically just shoves them off because it's just like you know that's, that's just stories you know right um so he basically tells them he he starts to sit down and go over his story and he tells them that he he's flesh and blood but he hasn't been hu- he's not human right. he hasn't been human for over 200 years so now we know that it's been at least 200 years since he was human as he calls it right so then he goes into his actual story and it, it goes back to 1791 he talks about how he was a plantation owner and you see, get this shot of him um, on a horse riding up to his plantation, which the house, like you said, looks so much like Forrest Gump. And I think it, it has to be, dude. It looked identical to the house from Forrest Gump. It, yeah, I mean, after you said it, I was like, there's, you know, they they had to use that for Forrest Gump. Every time I see it, I get the shot of Tom Hanks running down it when he's getting ready to take off running. Well, this movie came out in '94, mm-hmm. and Forrest Gump came out what '97. Uh, don't give me the line. Or maybe maybe it came out around the same time. They probably so, filmed I mean, it at the same time. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> the houses look uh, almost identical. The road to the house mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, it's crazy. But I noticed he did say uh, it was 1791. He said, I was 24 years old, younger than you are now. Yeah. You know, I, I just like the fact that he, you know, it's just it's just a little way Brad Pitt would say certain things. Mm-hmm. Like he, it's almost like he studied Christian Slater's yeah. character. I mean, I don't know. It was just the way it came yeah, off for sure. Me. Well, he even makes the comment. He was like, but times were different back then. I was a man then. Right, The owner right. of a large plantation. So it was kind of like he was insinuating that Christian, yes, you're just a young buck. You right. Know? You're young. I was younger than you were, and I was a grown man back then. You know what I mean? But he talks about how his wife had died in childbirth. Um, he talked about how he wanted to join them, 
and it goes to a shot of him in this uh, bar, and he's playing cards, and he's got a woman, you know, on his shoulder, and he's throwing down these cards. The, the guy that he's playing with ends up calling him a cheat, flips the table over, points a gun at him, um, but he kind of he stops. He doesn't shoot him. Yeah. So then, you know, Brad Pitt has just got his chest bared out, ready to take the shot, and he's like, uh, "You lack the courage of your convictions, sir. Do it." So he really wants him to shoot. He's longing for death. Yeah. The whole time. You can kind of, you kind of see that sense of like he's just giving up on life, basically. Yeah, because at first when I seen it, I was like, so was he really cheating? Was he doing it to get caught? But I don't know. Right. You know. But I like uh, that. I don't know if you noticed it, but when he's talking to the guy and the guy puts the gun down, the girl gets right back on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and then they walk out the door, and I don't remember where they were walking to. But they're walking, and it, and it killed me because I like that line. He says, uh, the horror by my side, the pimp that followed, it was the vampire uh, who accepted. Yeah, he Kinda was. like the invitation. Yeah, he was talking about he was inviting death the whole time. He was trying right. to he was trying to die, basically. Yeah. But it wasn't the whore to side. It wasn't the pimp. It was the vampire that accepted it. And this whole time, you see, after they flip the table over in the bar, they kind of get this pan shot, and they show you the back of this guy. Mm-hmm. And you can't see who it is. Right. If you've never seen the movie before, you have no idea who it is. Well, he's talking about vampires, so he was talking about Lestat. So it was actually Lestat that's been watching him this whole time and following him. Mm-hmm. So they go out and they walk across the road, and they, he does the monologue about, you know, it was a vampire that, that took the invitation. So they kind of stop off on the side spot, and she goes down, and she's going to do her little business and get paid. Well, this guy comes up, and he's trying to rob him. Didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, yeah, she was trying to get paid. Okay. This guy um, guy comes up. He's trying to rob him. Well, Lestat shows up, kills that guy, kills the woman, mm-hmm. and then he takes Louis, Brad Pitt, and he just kind of picks him up, and he's, he's he says, you long for death. And he picks him up, and he bites into his neck. And he says, right. do you still long for death, or have you had enough? And he says, enough. So then he just drops him. In the water. Yeah, he drops looks at least a good 20 feet right, right into the water. Which I thought was kind of cool because he was like, you really want it? Are you done? Yeah. And he's like, no, I've, I've had plenty. I've had <laughs> enough. Thank, thanks for the offer. But so then we get a shot of it's like the next morning, uh, Brad Pitt's walking up out of the water and he's walking in his house. Uh, then you get a shot of him it um, back in the room talking with... Uh, with the guy, they go over. He he goes over like the superstitions and stuff like that. Talking about Christian Slater's character. Yeah, yeah. And he says crucifixes, and he's just kind of mocking it. He, he said, "I'm actually quite fond of looking at crucifixes." Yeah. And he said the whole stake in the heart thing, and he just kind of you know plays it off, and he just tells him that's that's just super, you know, superstition. That's mm-hmm. all it is. <clears throat> so you get to see this uh, image of Brad Pitt laying in the bed. And he's coughing, you know, he's, he just looked sickly, basically. Right. Um, so then Lestat comes in. Somebody comes into the room. He points a gun at him. Lestat comes in, and he's basically telling him, he's like, I can give you something that, you know, if, if you want, like, food doesn't have its taste anymore. Wine doesn't have taste. I can give it all back to you. He's basically telling him, he said, I can give you your life back if you really want it back. Right. And I think it's kind of cool. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Then I, I noticed he said something about uh, there'll be, you won't be sick anymore. Mm-hmm. You'll never age. Uh, you won't have to face death or something like that. Right. 
I, and I, I think this is kind of the, the spot where you see how manipulative that Lestat can be. Mm-hmm. Talking about Tom Cruise. Right. How he can basically take something that you want and kind of just kind of mold it into what he needs to tell you to make you believe what he wants you to believe. Right. Um, really really kind of gives you a, a hint on where he's going with that, that character. Um, so basically he, he tells him tells him I can give you all of this I can give it all back to you and then he kind of picks him up out of the bed and then you hear the inner monologue of Brad Pitt again talking about how he's seen his last sunset so he's walking through this like swamp forested area mm-hmm. and he's just looking at the sun and he says I can I can recall that sunset but I can't recall any before it so there was it was kind of indicative of this is the last time I'm ever going to see the sun again right so, I don't remember anything before it, but I remember that last time I seen it. Now, he didn't know that that was about to happen, though, right? No. Okay, no that's idea. what I was thinking. Yeah, he had no idea it was going to happen. <clears throat> so, then it cuts to him in his graveyard. And he's just kind of looking around all the tombs and tombs and the stones and everything. And then, um, out of nowhere, the stat pops up and he says, have you said your goodbyes to the light? And then, as soon as he turns around and sees them... He's on top of him. Yeah. He, he's going, he's biting his neck and, you know, he's doing his whole vampire thing. Um, and this is kind of where it kind of gets a little fruity. I yeah. guess you could say this is kind of the first spot it gets kind of fruity. I wrote this down. <laughs> the graveyard scene. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he drinks his blood and he's kind of laying him on the side and he just gets right up to his ear and he's just, and it's, and it's, I can understand it how it's the vampire's seductiveness. You know, vampires are always seen as seductive. Mm-hmm. But he gets like really close to his ears and he's like, I've drained you of all your I've drained you to the point of death. Yeah. If I leave you here, you will die. Mm-hmm. Or I can give you eternal life. You'll be young and beautiful forever, type right. thing. You know. Um so Brad Pitt obviously accepts it, mm-hmm. says yes. So then um Tom Cruise takes his arm, he bites into it, making himself bleed. Now, I did, always did think this was kind of weird looking, how he just kind of put his wrist over his head and just let the blood drop into his mouth. Right. And he was just tonguing it at the whole time. He was like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of falling on his cheek and stuff. Um, then he puts his wrist down and he puts it in front of his face and he starts biting and sucking. and. Okay, now I got this written down. Uh, and you know what? I'm just going to say this real quick. Me and Randy were not bashing lifestyles, nothing like that. So just let right. everybody know, everybody, you know, everybody's got a right to live their way. But I did laugh at this. I chuckled because when Brad Pitt grabs Tom Cruise's arm and he starts sucking the blood out of him, Tom Cruise was like he enjoyed every single moment. He really of that. did, and I was like, "Oh my God, what do you got me watching, Randy?" You know, I'm like, <laughs> "Wow." Well, and there's there's something to be. One of the things you have to take into consideration is throughout the years, vampires, like the idea of a vampire has changed. Right. You go from watching something like Vlad or like um, Bram Stoker's Dracula to watching this to watching like Twilight and all that kind of stuff. The image of a vampire has changed. Right. One of the things that's always remained the same is when it comes to the idea of biting somebody and sucking their blood, it one of the things that always is brought to mind is how euphoric that it is for the person that's getting bit. Right. So they don't necessarily feel like they're getting bit because of how seductive vampires can be. Right. So right. it's it's like it's like a 
just a big kiss, basically, for them. Like, when somebody gets bit like that, they're thinking, oh, this is ecstasy type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing to take consideration when you're watching this movie and you see how people react in the bite. And you're like, they just got bit. How do they... Right, right. It, you know, you gotta, it's almost like a venom inside the vampire that mm-hmm. is causing them to think that it just feels great. Well, see, I always like the idea, too. You know, I was trying to... Com- and I shouldn't compare it, but, like, I was almost comparing it to the original Dracula, uh, Bella Lugosi. Right. How, when he's seductive, he, man or a woman, mm-hmm. he looks in her eyes and he, I always liked how the face went black. Right. On Dracula, except for his eyes. Uh-huh. I was looking for that, and on this one, it was more like they were whispering sweet nothings into their ear. Right. And stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. And it was very, they were very poofy. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I do wish, because I mean, I don't know, maybe just me being immature, and I know it's 2021 20, now, and, but to me, watching that, I was just like, uh, it made it made me feel uncomfortable. Right. But I would like to see the old school where they, you know, that's what I was used to. Yeah. Dracula would be like, hey, get over right. here. <laughs> you know? it's, it's definitely one of those things like, Watching this movie and then watching older movies, even when you go back to Bram Stoker Dracula with uh, Gary Olton in it, you can't really compare this one to any of the older vampire movies. Right. Because it's not really the same thing. I've always said if vampires were real, I could see this being the most accurate betrayal of a vampire. Just because it was realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I get you. Granted, vampires aren't real. We all know that. You know, there are people that drink blood all the time, but I'm saying now, there are some people that follow that cult. Like. There, there is, there's, there is for sure. But as far as the mythical creature vampire, we we all know they're not real. But if they were, I could see this being an accurate depiction of the way they would actually be. Right. They're not flying around going blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> I do not say blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we're in the graveyard. He's bitten them. He's feeding them his blood. Um. And it, and if you didn't know. That if you want, if a vampire wants to turn somebody into a vampire, they bite them, they drain them, and then they give them their own blood to replace theirs. Right. And they go through a turning process, which is what's fixing to happen to Brad Pitt. So he's, after he gets done eating on Lestat's arm, he kind of jumps back, and then Brad Pitt just kind of just. So he's, way I took that, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, because like I said, you've seen it plenty of times. So Brad Pitt, actually, the human part, died. Right. And then he was revived by the blood going through his veins again. Yep. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so he's he's writhing around on the ground and wriggling around, and he's basically his body's dying a mortal death. Right. Um, so then he ends up laying there. His eyes. This is what I've always I've always taken from Brad Pitt's character is how bright his eyes are. Hmm. And it, I don't really get it from Lestat a whole lot, but Brad Pitt's eyes are like this really bright green. Yeah. And, yeah. In, in, in later on in the movie, when you see parts where he's just pissed and he's really mad, yeah. his eyes get that much brighter. Yeah, they, it almost looked like, uh, and I'm not trying to say this to be funny, uh, Thriller. Michael yeah. Jackson's eyes, yeah. where he turns around. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're just that bright and they're piercing. And see, what I noticed, one thing about the film is Tom Cruise's character is always in bright colors. Yeah. Blue and his hair is, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember if it was blonde or brown, but it was blondish brown, whatever. But he was always upbeat and had like the bright suits on where Brad Pitt, 
you know, was down in the dumps, and it was always like he had bland colors on, like gray, black, brown. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was Tom Cruise's character is very pompous. Right. He was very. I'm. He was a. Very, he was a vampire, but he was upper class. He always felt like he, which he was. We find out later on in the movie, he's actually from Paris, from the old country, mm-hmm. and he's over here. So he's very high class. Right. And he he makes sure you knows that he's high class. Um. So we uh, skip forward a little bit, and um, we're in. It looks like a bar or a tavern. Um. And they're sitting there. You got Lestat and Louis. They're sitting there with this, who I can assume is a prostitute. Right. And Lestat's kind of wooing her up really good. And he talks about how sweet her lips looked and how how sweet, I'm sure, that they, they tasted, basically. So he goes to kiss her. He bites her in the neck. And this is when you kind of see that euphoric feeling that she has right. from being bit. Because so I mean, she's getting pleasure out of it. Right, right. She's feeling the pleasure from actually being bit and doesn't necessarily register it as a bite. Do you know who uh, she also played on? Do you know what she, she also played on? Mm-mm. She was on Sons of Anarchy. That was Chibs's wife. Really? Remember when they go to Ireland? Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, that's I didn't his. even know that. Uh-huh. Holy cow. <laughs> no, I had no idea. Soon as I, I seen it, I was like, oh, snaps. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's crazy. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I've watched this movie that many times. I've seen all the Sons of Anarchy shows, and mm. I've never noticed that. Yes, sir. Chibs's old lady. So he's biting her in the neck. Chibs's old lady. <laughs> and uh, he looks over over her shoulder at Louie just sitting right behind him. And he's like, my friend should taste these lips. Yeah. So she leans back and he goes to kiss her. And you can see the blood kind of tripping down her, her mouth and her cheek. He's actually drinking her blood from her lips. Right. Um, you see Lestat pick up her wrist and he pierces it. And he starts drinking her blood from her wrist. With the, he got that ring now, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, after a minute, Louis just kind of says, I'm not going to, I won't take her life. And then Lestat's like, I've done it for you. So he's basically, he's drained her before Louis could kill her. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to actually kill her. Um, shoot forward, they're back at the plantation. And uh, I think that scene where they're on there and Louis says he doesn't want to kill her. That's kind of where you get a hint of the way Louis is going to be as a vampire. Mm-hmm. He yeah. doesn't like the idea of killing people. Yep. I picked that up, right? Yeah. Yep. So he's like, he's he's a vampire. He's accepted that he's a vampire now, and he's got to drink blood, but he still doesn't like the idea of actually taking life. Right. So it's, uh, and you kind of see it in this next scene. They go back to the plantation, which is Louis' plantation, and they're sitting at the dinner table, and... Um, they're talking back and forth about how Lestat's from actually Paris. Um, and then Louis' slave, Yvette, comes in. And she says, you haven't eaten anything. And he said, are you not hungry? And I like how Lestat just kind of joking. And he's like, on contraire, he could eat the whole colony. And he just starts laughing. He's just cracking yeah. up laughing. Yeah. It's like it's all a joke. Like, him being a vampire is just a complete joke. Right. Um, so... Louis just kind of stops her from taking his plate away and he looks over and you see what he's seeing now with his vampire eyes that they call it is he can see that vein in her neck pulsing. Yeah. And it's just like he's drawn to it. And he's like, I'll finish it later. Just just leave us alone or whatever. So you kind of get a sense that he's got that hunger built up. Yeah, he just don't want to harm anybody. Right, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. <clears throat> so then Lestat gets up and he 
picks this rat up off the ground. And I remember the first time I seen this, I thought, that's just nasty. <laughs> yeah, just, I did. That's yeah. just nasty. But he grabs this rat off the ground. He bites his neck. He takes it over to Louis' cup, and he just kind of drains the blood into the cup. And he uh, hands it over to him. He's like, you got to eat. At least pretend to drink. You know what I mean? So he's, he's putting it in this wine cup to make it look like wine. Louis picks it up, starts drinking it. <laughs> One of the things I thought was so weird, and I don't know if you say that or not, but after Louis's got the cup in his hand, he's drinking it, Lestat puts the mouth, the rat, on the table and just starts petting it. No, I didn't see him pet it. Yeah, he just—he literally just puts this dead rat on the table and just starts petting it. Like see, a, I, th- I seen him throw it on yeah. the ground, and that's what made me laugh. I never saw him pet yeah, it. Yeah, before thing. that, no, he put it on the table and just started petting it. I never, yeah, yeah. I didn't catch that part. It's just, I, what I was focused on was how Brad Pitt held that glass. Like this? Yeah, he like, yeah. I don't know the way he put his two hands on it. Yeah. I, I started laughing. I was like, it was like he was holding an urn. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It, yeah. it, it's, that's really what Undertaker, uh, Paul Bear, the yeah. way he would hold the urn. That's yeah. really what it looked like. Um. So, yeah, he drains it. He talks about how the blood gets so cold. And he said, you live like this on the blood of animals? And he was like, I wouldn't call it living. Yeah. Unless that says... He says, but it's a useful trick when you lost at sea for so long. So yeah, clearly, like that, yeah. clearly Lestat's been been around the world for sure. Now, did he already tell him? Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm about to ruin something. Never mind. We'll go ahead and keep on going. Um, so the next thing we get is them at this ball, uh, and you get the inner monologue of Louis. Uh, I keep saying Louis, Brad Pitt, so we know who we're talking about here. Yeah. Um. You get the inner monologue of Brad Pitt talking about how Lestat's taste is as far as people goes. And he says he starts off with this kind of person and he finishes with this kind of person. But he, the snob in him loved to hunt in high society. Right. So it shows him around this ball with all these rich, you know, like hoity-toity people. Uh, and this is where they kind of give you an idea of something that vampires can do. Mm-hmm. So he, he is... Talking to um, Brad Pitt is talk or yeah they're talking together, and he says to Brad Pitt, the trick is to not think of them as people, yeah, and not think of them and not think about it at all. And he points out a woman who her name was Sinclair, and he says, take her for instance, she had her little pompous little boyfriend murder her husband. Yep. And he's like, how do you know? And he said, read her thoughts. So it's kind of like they're giving you a hint that vampires have this ability to read your thoughts. And I did like that because I had never heard of that either. That was something new. Right. I mean, have you ever heard of that other than the movie, this movie? Mm-mm. No, this is the only one that I've known of. Right. Yeah. But it actually comes into play later on in the movie. Right. Um, with the vampires being able to read your thoughts and stuff like that. And he, uh, Brad Pitt obviously says, I, I can't. I, you know, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, the dark gift is... You know, Lestat says the dark gift is different for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was kind of cool because it alludes to vampires being more abundant than just them. Right. So it gives you the idea that vampires are, you know, they're there. They might not necessarily be nearby, but there are vampires and they have, you know, special gifts, which it was cool. So then they walk up to um, they walk up to the couple. They greet each other. It shows them. Cuts to them walking around outside. Lestat kind of takes the little boyfriend off to the side. And uh, Louie starts kissing on this old lady. And she's like, I'm surprised. I'm old enough to be your grandmother. Yeah, and the dogs are with him and stuff. Yeah, she's got these two little poodles and they're yapping. And so uh, Louie and this this old woman are going at it. They're kissing each other. 
And all of a sudden, these dogs are just yapping out of nowhere. So then you see Louie kind of eyeballing the dogs while he's kissing on this woman's neck. And then he starts reaching for the leash. Mm-hmm. I, and when I remember when I first watched this, I didn't know what to think about it. I didn't either. I was like, is he... I thought he was going to take it and, like, sling it over, you know, get it out right. of the way or something. I didn't know he was just going to sit there and, like, kill it right in front of her. Right. And um, so he reaches for the leash, grabs it, and as soon as he gets a good hold on it, he pushes her off to the side and he pulls him to him. Mm-hmm. And then you hear her screaming. And then it cuts to the stat with the boyfriend. He's already killed and drank the boyfriend's blood. Yeah. There was another one of them moments. Yeah. It was like yeah. right before he seduced him, I was like, oh. It, it was getting, <laughs> you know, kind of, because he was just, he was sitting there right in front of him. He caressed his cheek with his little mm-hmm. ring that he uses to punch in people's blood and stuff. Yep. Um, then the next thing you know, he's drunk his blood and he's dead. Right. So he comes over. He hears this old woman yelling. He comes over and Brad Pitt is just sitting there with his poodle in his arms and he's just mm-hmm. eating the crap out of his neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one of the dogs is already dead and he's working on the second one. Um, so this woman's screaming, crying, and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Lestat comes over and he get, just comes up behind the woman and out of nowhere just breaks her neck. Yeah, like, and she was screaming loud enough. I thought they were about to get caught. Right. Yeah, because she was pitching a fit out there. Yeah, and unless that even makes the comment of feeding on rats and poodles, you could have ended us both. So it's right. like, you know, people could have found out and we could have been done. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brad Pitt's got this, and I love this line. Like, this is probably one of my favorite lines. He's got this poodle, and he just looks at him, you've condemned me to hell. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yep. Because he knows, he's like, this is what I've, you know, this is what I'm resorted to now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to kill people. I'm going to be eating animals and rats yeah. and chickens and all this kind of stuff. So he gets pissed, and um, they start tussling and around, and he was like, um, he says, you condemn me to hell, and Lestat says, I don't know of any hell. So he's like, I have no inclination of hell. Right. Um, so they go, and Brad Pitt's taking Lestat, and he's just kind of hauling him around and all this kind of stuff, and Lestat's laughing the whole time. He's like, you can't kill me, Louie. It's just... Yeah, I did like that. He's slinging him against the tree and stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's floating. Right. Yeah. So he's, and he's just laughing. And oh, and he says something about, uh, I love the anger, or there's the anger, something like that. Right. The rage. Right. Yeah. The rage, the anger. That's why I chose you. Yep. Yep. Um, so he, he finally puts him down and he finally calms down a little bit. He said, Lestat just kind of looks at him laughing. He's like, feed on what you want chickens, rats, poodles. Eventually you'll come around. Mm-hmm. So he's like, eventually you're gonna, you're gonna want to eat something a little bit heavier, right? So then it cuts to a scene of this what looked like a chicken coop, and it was a bunch of like dead chickens or something like that. Yep. And then you see um, Louie in this chicken coop eating on his chickens and drinking their blood, and then Lestat walks out of this house where you hear people yelling, and he's just kind of wiping his mouth off. Now was was uh. Brad Pitt was he crying while he was eating the chickens and stuff? I didn't. I didn't notice him crying. It looked like he was like really emotional, so I didn't know if he was crying over he it. Or... May have been. I mean, because he gets distraught about the whole killing. Right. That's sure. what I'm saying. So I didn't know how that was playing out. Right. So, um, so it shows the stat doing that, and then it cuts to a scene with all the slaves, mm-hmm. and they're doing their rituals. You know, it's got people crying. So they start doing these rituals. They actually have a voodoo-looking doll of Lestat. That's what I thought that was. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to see exactly who it was, but yeah. 
I see yeah. that. But it's, it, it's important to remember that this is taking place at the very beginning in New Orleans. Right. And voodoo is very popular in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So the slaves around there obviously practice voodoo. Right. So they were doing it. They had this big bonfire. They were chanting, playing all these drums and everything. Then it cuts inside to um, while they're in the house and um, Lestat's getting, you know, just tired of the drums and all this kind of stuff. So Louis's sitting there and he just makes the, and he makes a comment that I like too where he says, they know about us. They see us dine on empty plates and drink from empty glasses. Mm-hmm. So he's like, they can see that we're not eating anything, and they can see that we're not drinking anything. Now, and that all that that was the slaves that Louis, yeah, owned. Okay, yeah, that was all the slaves on his plantation. Um, so the stack gets irritated, and he ends up leaving. Well, his house slave comes in, Yvette, and um, she's coming in. He's like, you haven't been down to the slave court. You haven't, you know, ridden through the fields and all this kind of stuff. And she said, well, I'm really worried about you. Well, she ends up putting her hand up near his cheek, and he ends up biting her wrist. See, and I was wondering if she knew that he was a vampire, and I thought that she was testing him. Yeah, not till that point, I don't Okay, so see, isn't that really different for me? Because I was thinking that she was testing him. Right. So. Well, she, I, I, I don't think she ever knew, because in the first scene where it shows Yvette, he just made her think that he just he would finish the plate later. Right, right. So I I, I don't believe she knew anything. And she kind of really freaked out whenever he bit her. Oh, yeah. Her wrist. So he bit it, and he just kind of, he's trying to quiet her down. He falls down to the ground, and she, I guess she passes out. I don't know. It, then it shows her carrying him to the, to the front of the house. I thought he killed her. <clears throat> I don't think she was dead. But then it shows the front of the plantation, and all these slaves have gotten these torches. And they're all running up to the house, and they finally get right to the door, and he opens the door, and he's holding Yvette in his arms. Now, were they coming to get him, or were they coming to get Tom Cruise's character? I think it was a combination of the both, because mm-hmm. um, Yvette makes the comment before he bites her that the um, the slaves are scared and are afraid of of his friend, and she doesn't necessarily say Lestat, but that's the only person he's got living with him. Right. So, uh, and then she says they're afraid of you too. That's right. I remember that, yeah. So it's it's kind of one of those things. Like I think they're just fed up with everything. They just want to get rid of both of them. Right. So he comes through the door holding Yvette in his arms. And he uh, he kind of gives this little you know little speech to him. He said, listen to me now. This, this place is cursed. It's damned. And yes, your master is the devil. And he uh, yeah. hands Yvette over to one of the slaves. And he goes, you're all free men. And he grabs a torch and he goes in the house and he just starts lighting it on fire. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool scene. Yeah, it was kind of him like, you know what, let's just burn this thing down to the ground. Let's just be done with it. Um, so he's lighting the house on fire, and he's just kind of sitting there, and then Lestat comes through and busts through the window. He's like, perfect. You know, he's just, just yeah. burn, burn everything we own. <laughs> and I like... Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I like how when he's laying there, and Lestat's talking about just burn everything we own. And Louis's like, you thought you could have it all. And Mustache just like, oh, shut up, Louis. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I love how I love how he, he interacts with him. He's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Well, what I was fixing to say is it, it made me laugh because when Tom Cruise said, uh, that's good, just burn everything we own. You remember I asked you, I said, now whose house is that? And you said, that's Louis's? Yeah, it's Louis's plantation. That made me laugh because I was like, Tom Cruise just felt like his character 
that was that was his spot. That's all his. Whatever's Louis is his. You know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah. So um, so we we fast forward to they're in this looks like a uh, just a house with this uh, I don't know if it's a brothel or yeah, I don't know if she's a prostitute or whatever it is, right. but they're drinking with these two women. Um, you see Lestat kill this one chick and the other one's just sitting there and he's like your your friend's got no you know pep or nothing like that yeah so he uh he ends up biting her right on the breast which was kind of weird mm-hmm. um she freaks out she starts panicking and then Lestat this this is another area where you really see Lestat's like true character where he's really trying to goad Louie into really taking another life. Right. He's really wanting him to kill somebody. And he won't do it. He just won't do it. And he keeps telling him he's like she's not dead. The girl is that. So he moves this table over and ends up being a coffin. Now there was two of them. Yeah, he killed the first one. That's what I was fixing to say cuz when the scene cut over and she was or he was on top of her, she was not dead yet, right? No, they were just making out. Okay, that's what I yeah. thought. They were just making out, and then you kind of see her leg shake. Yeah, I seen that. Yeah, and that that was he was just killing her. Okay, gotcha. And the other one didn't know it, and she was sitting right beside him. So he moves the ta- this table, and he ends up being the coffin. He puts her in the coffin, closes the lid, and he just kind of pats on it. She's freaking out. Yeah. And he's like, "It's your coffin, my dear. Enjoy it." You know, most of us never know get, get to know what it feels like. Um, so he's. And I really like this scene because Louis is really fighting the urge and the hunger. You're right, right. And, and Lestat is doing everything possible to get him to take this woman's life, and he won't do it. And he don't want to suffer either, though. Right, and he don't want to see her suffer, but he don't want to be the be the one to take her life. And Lestat even makes the comment, he was like, then do it, end her suffering, end your suffering. So he's basically telling her, look, you can end it for her, and it'll be better off for it, and then you'll be satisfied as well. Mm-hmm. He finally gets fed up. He pulls her out of the coffin. And um, this is just another thing to show you how evil Lestat is. She goes up to Louie, and she's like, I can't die like this. I need a priest. Yeah, she wanted to say she wanted to give her soul to the Lord. Right, yeah. And he was like, my friend is a priest. He'll cure all your sins before you die. It just shows you how evil mm-hmm. he actually is. That that that's the main scene through the entire film that uh, stuck out to me was because, like I said, she knows she's about to die. She's lived wrong, right? And all she wanted right at that moment was just give me a priest. She don't want her soul going to hell, right? Yep. Yeah, it was kind of man. It was it was really indicative of the difference between Lestat and Louis in that whole movie, right? It was like you could see that how compassionate Louis is. Even though he is a vampire now, yeah, and how Lestat's not like, mm-hmm. and by no no stretch of the imagination is he compassionate at all. So then the um, Lestat gets fed up with it, and he just kills the girl, and he's done with it. Right, and he's just. I mean, you could tell he was just kind of irritated, just like really pissed off. So um, then we get a shot of Louis walking through these streets. And he's, I'm pretty sure it was raining at the time. And he's just, you get an inner monologue with him talking about how it was just bad. And he walks up to these guys and they're trying to tell him to go a different direction because of the plague. And he walks into this house 
And he sees this little girl. She's right next to her mother, who was dead, obviously, from the plague. And she mm-hmm. just kind of, she just keeps saying, mama, you know, mama. And he goes over to her, and she hugs him. Well, he ends up biting her in the neck. Now, do you feel like he was biting her in the neck because he wanted to put her out of the misery? Or he or he was hungry? I don't think so. I think this was Louis giving in to the hunger with this little girl. Because whenever because as soon as he bites into her... It pauses for a second. Lestat is is like right behind him laughing. Right. And Louis kind of just looks mortified. Like he's like, oh, I got caught. You know, I, I, I've been, you know, somebody caught me actually feeding on somebody. Mm-hmm. And it was a little girl. Yeah. And Lestat could not have been prouder. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, and this is the, I don't know how to say it, but the the feeling that Lestat has towards humanity in general. He's just like laughing and he's singing. He picks up this little girl's dead mom's body and starts dancing around the room with it. Yeah. He just has no feelings for for And what do you mean like when he picked her up he goes, She's not dead or she's not There's life in the old woman yet. Yeah. He was making fun of the fact that he was picking up this body and dancing around with okay. it. Okay. And it's like she was dancing with him. Okay. Yeah, it was it's just like I don't know. It's just it just shows his character. Mm-hmm. It's just a further affirmation of the way he feels about people in general. Um. So then Louis mortified. He leaves. He he thought he's he's killed the little girl. That's just what he thought. He thought right. she was dead. So then it shows Lestat walking, and all you can see is this trail of like rat bodies. Yeah. And he's yeah. walking up, and you get this this sewer. Mm-hmm. And then you see Louis just sitting down, and then Lestat even makes a comment. He said, "All I got to do is follow the trail of rats' corpses if I want to find you." Yep. So he knows he's like, "You you don't kill people if I just follow the dead animals, and I can find you, no problem." Um. So he's kneeling down there. He's talking to him, and he was like, he was just telling him all this kind of stuff that he knew he needed to hear to make right. him feel better, seducing him again doing that whole vampire thing and he's trying to get him to understand like he wants him to know that it's okay for him to to feed off people Mm -hmm. and he makes the comment he says god kills indiscriminately and so shall we Mm -hmm. yeah so he's basically telling louis he's like it's okay they're just they're cattle yeah pretty much you know god gets rid of them so quickly and without thinking about it we can get rid of them so quickly without thinking about it and again it just goes to show you the lack of humanity that Lestat has. Right. But it also goes to show you how different of a vampire that Louis is because he has that humanity. Right. And right. he actually cares for people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he tells him that he's got a gift for him. He gets him to come up and go with him. And he takes him back to this house, walks in this bedroom, and that little girl, which is played by Kirsten Dunn, is laying in the bed. Um, so he's like, I thought I killed her. He was like, "No, she's your your conscience is clear." He tells him, like, "You didn't kill anybody yet. You're you're good to go." <clears throat> so she kind of, he kind of goes over to her, and he was like, he goes to feed her, like give her, you know, his own blood, and right. then he stops him. He was like, "Do you want her to die?" And he was seeing he was playing off his conscience, how Louis doesn't like to kill people, and he thought he had already killed this girl. Right. So now, instead of letting her die, he was going to turn her into a vampire. Right. And Louis didn't want him to do that, but at the same time, he didn't want to be responsible for her dying. 
And it also gave Tom Cruise's character, like, a win-win. Right. Because if he kills her, then he knows, okay, boom, I got him now. But then, you know, I don't understand, though, how did he not kill her, kill her when he bit her neck? I don't think he drained enough. Oh, okay. Because I, I think it's one of the whole um, things see, with the vampire. See, I had already thought that. See, I thought he manipulated him when he, when he got in there. I thought he had already brought her back, right. Tom Cruise, and he was just messing with her. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's if apparently, you know, because later on in the movie, you see this little boy who's been fed on a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just one of those things, like, as long as you don't feed past a certain point, then, you know, your blood just reproduces itself. Right, right. So it just keeps keeps uh, collecting blood. But So he doesn't want the little girl to die, so he lets Lestat turn her. You get the scene of her laying in the bed. And she's just kind of breathing really heavy. And you can see she's kind of going through the same process that Louis went through. Right. Whenever he died and became a vampire. Um, She's a good little... I mean, she's a good actress anyway, but even back then, she was a good little actress. And I don't know how old she was in this movie. I think she was 11. I I watched the thing one time because she was talking about when she had to kiss Brad Pitt, I think. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about... uh, she didn't like it because, you know, one, he was 20, 30-something, she right. was 11. But, yeah, I think she was 11 years old. So, I mean, even her being 11 years old, she did a really good job. Right. Because it was, not only was she 11 years old, but as the years went through on the, the movie, she had to play a mature right. version of herself because so many years had gone by, even though she hadn't changed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he turns her, she goes through this whole little thing, and then you get this image of her her skin gets really pale the veins start showing up in her face and this is kind of what i told you and it's one of the things that i thought about was i thought was really cool is through the whole movie you see these vampires and they have their really pale skin and their veins are very prominent right and um which what i told you is during the filming they would actually hang them upside down like they would have to stay upside down and let all the blood rush to their head and let the veins throb out and then the makeup artist would trace the veins. And that's pretty unique. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Well, and it just goes to show you what they had to go through to get... It wasn't just, hey, sit on here and we'll paint right. your face and paint the veins and stuff. They actually wanted to see exactly where the veins were, were at. Which I thought was kind of cool. But you see her going through that transformation. Her pale skin, the veins start becoming more prominent. Mm-hmm. And her hair grows out really long and gets really curly. Yep, looks like a doll. Looks like a doll. First thing I thought of when I seen it. Right. Just doll. <laughs> So she um, she gets up. She's like, I'm hungry. You know, she's, she, <laughs> she, she, she just wants some food. Um, so the stat calls for somebody to come in. She comes in. He grabs her by the neck. And I guess he put that little ring of his right on her. Yeah. Throat. Yeah. Um, he grabs her by the neck, does that, cocks her head to the side, and gives her to Kirsten Dunst, who, whose name is Claudia in the, in the show. And... Um, He's kind of directing her the whole right. time on how to do it, when to do it, how long to do it, and tells her always wait, always right until the heart stops beating. That's that's what I was going to spoil earlier. That's what I thought he told that to Brad Pitt, but now I know he told the little girl. Right. Yeah, he's like, don't drink after the heart stopped. Right. Or the heart stops. So they, um, so he's, Lestat is playing. 
and he's talking to Claudia the whole time mm-hmm. after that. He's like, you know, he's just kind of pampering her and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, he's kind of pandering to Louis's need to love. Right. And he's playing off, and he's just telling him, he's like, Louis was going to leave us, but now that we have you, he's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So... Claudia gets kind of excited. She walks over and she gives him a hug, and and Louis just like you fiend, you know. He's just like you monster. Yeah, he he knew because now he can't leave. Yeah, he yeah. knew he was stuck. Yep, and he he couldn't go anywhere. And then, and then Lestat knew it too, and he was just like one big happy family. Yeah, and that was another thing I didn't like either. He was just like, "This is your dad." He's on my dad, and he's like, "I'm your dad too." I was just like, "Yeah, God, it was like, like we're your parents now. Yeah, you're, you're our daughter." Yeah, and that, I mean that's the way they felt. And then you kind of get the the hint after that. It goes through Louis talking about how Lestat was pampering her. He always gave her everything she wanted. Right. And it shows her doing the you know getting a dress made. Well, the seamstress is you know trying to cut on her dress. She cuts her finger, and well, Claudia's like, "Here, I'll kiss it better." She goes to grab it. She ends up biting the chick's finger, and she freaks out. Yeah, like every scene that it's her, I mean, every scene that showed something going on with Claudia, dude, she didn't hesitate at all. Mm-mm. She was lighting people up. Well, and, <laughs> and that's what he said though. He said she's, I can't. I'm, I'm just gonna paraphrase. She's lovely and she's sweet, but she's also vicious or something like that. She's a she's a vicious killer. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's one of the things that comes out later in the movie is how young she actually is when they turn her. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see the, the scene with the seamstress. Well, then it cuts to the scene and she's holding the seamstress and she ends up falling over dead. She's killed her. So the stat comes over and tells her. He was like, "What have we always told you?" He's smacking her hand. He's just kind of you know scolding her and he's like, "Never in the house." Is that also when she's playing the piano? That's that's coming up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it shows her in in. The monologue with Louie is just talking about how she never learned how to play with him before she killed him. But then it shows her sitting out on this little bench out in the middle of the road. And this woman comes up and walks up on her. She's crying and she's kind of goading her in to, to hold her. Making it like it's, she's lost. Right. So this, this woman comes out of nowhere. She sits down and she starts giving her a hug and all this kind of stuff. Well, she ends up getting it. Right. And you see her kind of progressing from just killing somebody and taking drinking their blood out of nowhere to actually bringing them in and getting them close. Right. And the whole time Tom Cruise's character is watching behind her. Yeah. I noticed that. You know, it's just like he's been training her this mm-hmm. whole time and, and popping her up. And then you get the piano. She's sitting there at the piano with a teacher and she's playing and the piano teacher will pop her on the hands and say, mine's the thumbs. Mine's the thumbs. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, and the look she gives as soon as he pops her... She's just like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're fixing to get it. Yeah. So then it cuts to seeing her sitting there playing the piano again, and that guy's just sitting there, and all of a sudden he falls on the piano. Yep. And she's, you know, she's killed him. Well, then Lestat comes in, and he was like, Claudia, what have y'all just told you? And she was like, never in the house. Yeah. <laughs> just like, and just, and it's so innocent. And it, and it just goes to show you how young she actually was. Right. Even though she was a vampire, she was still a kid. And she, like, she actually behaved like a kid yeah she was just a serious killer right um so then they cut and they're walking down the street and they're talking and then claudia notices this woman bathing in the window mm-hmm. it's just this naked woman and then louis talking about her and um claudia is just staring at her she's like enamored with her and then lestat is like look what Claudia has found for us. Right. And Claudia's like, I I don't want her. I want to be her. 
Mm-hmm. So this is where you kind of get the sense of Claudia. She's not happy being a kid. She wants to grow up. She wants to be... And she doesn't know yet, does she? She that's, has no idea. Right. That, okay. That's what I was thinking when I seen it. I was like, she has no idea that, that she's, she's never going to grow up. Right. She's never going to get older. Well, they make it... They kind of give you they give you the idea that she's 30 years have gone by. And she still looks identical as she did. And she's sitting on this bed and she's... looks like she's drawing... Or something. She's painting. She's painting. Yeah, and like, and uh, the I liked how the the sheets of paper started coming off. Yeah, and that was representing like the time passing. I right. think that yeah. So Lestat comes in and she's on this bed and she's got all these dolls, and uh, he brings her another doll and she's like, you know, this is another doll. You give me this. You give me a doll the same night every single year. Kind of like a birthday. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's a birthday. Right. And that's kind of what she alludes to. Is this, you know, she says, some, I think she says something about, is this my birthday or is this something? Oh, because see, I never heard her say anything about birthday, but. Um, so he starts making a comment on how all these old dolls that she have, she needs to throw them out. Well, she gets pissed <laughs> and she starts throwing dolls off the bed. And every doll she throws off, it starts focusing in on the middle of the bed. Mm-hmm. Well, then she moves one doll and then you see a dead body. Right. And it's actually the woman that they saw bathing. Yeah, but that was a long time ago when they seen the woman, wasn't it? I don't know how long it was compared. She looked rotted. Yeah, yeah. She she was she's been gone for a little while. (laughs) She wasn't like mummified skeleton or nothing like that. She had been gone for a little while. So you know he gets pissed and he was like, I she Claudia's this whole time. She's like, I told you I wanted her. I wanted to be her. I wanted her. So she's she starts throwing this tantrum. She starts. She cuts her hair off, and they're freaking out, and they're telling her to calm down. Um, so she goes, cuts her hairs off, runs into the bedroom, and then she just starts screaming. Yeah. Like, yeah. Out of nowhere. And then you get this image of her looking into a mirror. All it shows is her face, but then it pans out, and her hair's grown back all the way back. Yeah. So it's like it's grown all the way out again. Mm-hmm. She comes out, and she starts screaming at him. She's like, which one of you did it? Which one of you made me the way that I am? Yeah, now she's finally putting it all together. Right. She She's kind of gotten the idea now. She knows for a fact that no matter what she does, she's always going to be the exact same age. So it's all settled in. Mm-hmm. She's realized she can't get any older, and, and, and it's kind of just like, I don't, I don't really know if she's more heartbroken than mad. Right. You know? Um so then it shows Louie out on the balcony. She goes, she's out on the balcony. Louie walks up behind her. And this is where you really get the first glimpse at the connection that her and Louie, Louie end up getting together. Right. And they talk about the biggest connection between their both of their pains is Lestat. Mm-hmm. And how Louie, while he hates Lestat, he still loves him because he's the one that created him. Right. And... She just keeps bringing up the fact that he's the common denominator between both of their pains. Now, has she already went off on him because she knows that he's the one that killed her? Yeah. Originally? Well, Louis? She, she knows that he's the one that, that turned her. Okay. Um, so, yeah, she's she's gone off. She's walked out there. They, she's kind of calmed down. Um, he even makes the comment. Lestat makes the comment when she says, and if I cut my hair again, he says, it will grow back again. Yeah. And he's just kind of downplaying it the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so they go out to the balcony. 
they have this this moment where you can really see the connection. It's where they really start bonding over their hatred for Lestat. Um, and this is kind of where Claudia gets her little her idea in mind. And she's going to take care of Lestat <laughs> by herself. So it shows her walking into this the, the room and you hear a piano playing. Lestat's playing the piano. So she walks over to him and and she's just kind of talking all sweet and all this kind of stuff and hugging him and all this kind of and stuff. And he's irritated. He he, the, he he even says, your presence irritates me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like that line, yeah. It's just like, he's just like, I'm done with you. And he's like, you're spoiled. I found somebody that's going to make a better vampire than you, than both of you talking about Louie. But he's the one that spoiled her too, though. Exactly. And he makes a comment, he's like, you need a brother. And she's just kind of talking... You know, she's she's actually playing his role. She's saying everything that he needs to hear. She's starting to use her seductive vampire ways. Right. So she hugs him around the neck, and she's just talking about how he hasn't fed. And she says, I have a gift. And he makes the comments, and he said, hopefully it's a beautiful woman with endowments that you'll never possess. Mm-hmm. And he's... Dag, you know, driving that dagger in just a little bit deeper because he knows how much it upsets her that she's never going to grow up. It's like he don't know when to quit. <laughs> does not. But this is one of the only times in the movie that you can see like a sorrowful look on Lestat's face <clears throat> because he makes that comment and she says, "Why do you say such things?" Yeah. And then the look on his face is like he feels really bad. Right. And it's the only time in the entire movie where you see just. A glimpse of humanity from him, but not much. Right. So um, she gets him to follow him and takes him into this room. And there, there's two young boys laying on this, this couch. She goes lay down beside of them. She says they're passed out drunk from, <laughs> thim- from a thimble of brandy wine. Yeah, yeah. And um, she picks one of the arms up and drops it like flops Look. it down. You know? <laughs> it's like. It's like, look, you know, he's so drunk, he, he's passed out. Right. <clears throat> so she's, she's brought him this present. And he's like, you've, you know, you've, you've outdone yourself. So he walks over to him. And she's basically just giving him this offering. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, here's, here's some food you need to eat. Right. So he goes over to him, and he's thinking that she's trying to bury the hatchet, all this kind of stuff. And he kind of looks at her, and he's like, so we're friends? Friends again? And she just looks at him. She doesn't shake her head or nothing like that. Well, he goes to feed on one of them. And then he starts laughing. He's like, you gave him abstinence, which is like, like I don't know if it's like a, um, something like knock you out mm-hmm. or something like that. And I, I don't know exactly what she says, but it sounds like she says autumn. Yeah. She, she gave him autumn. And she said it killed him, unfortunately, but it keeps the blood warm. Yeah, yeah. Going all the way back to what he's always told her is never drink the blood of the dead. Right. So I've always taken it as a, like a, if a vampire drinks dead blood, it's like poison. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> he starts freaking out, and he's like, you let me drink dead blood. And he's, like, gasping, and he's crawling around on the floor, and he was like, put me in my coffin, put me in my coffin. So she walks over to him, and she grabs him, comes up behind his head, and she's like, I'll put you in your grave. And she slits his throat. And yeah, and I see I never saw that one coming. Oh, dude. that's probably, and it looked really good too. It looked really good. And he starts falling on the ground. He's bleeding all over the place. Louis walks in and he's just kind of taking and, it back. Yeah, he's, he's, 
he has no idea what to do with that situation. And I don't think he knows how to feel because right. he he's developed this love and this kinship with Claudia. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, even though he hates Lestat, he still loves him because he's the one that made him. Right. Um, so they're both sitting there watching as, you know, Lestat's just kind of laying on the ground. His blood's draining. He's He's looking like he's just kind of decaying. Yeah, he is. Like as his blood drains. All his life is leaving. His life is leaving him. And for that, this being a 1994 movie, that special effect looked really good. And like it, really good. And how it was, it didn't cut away and then come back to him and then cut away and then come back to him. They did it all on camera. Right. The, like the a, throat cut and everything looked yeah, good. It was all like a time lapse and everything. I thought it looked really good too. Yeah. So they're sitting there watching him die, and then Claudia just nonchalantly says, "Should we bury him or burn him? What would <laughs> yeah. he? What would he have wanted?" Louis visibly upset mm-hmm. because even though he didn't like him, he cared for the stat. Right. So she makes the comment, "The swamp." So they're going to take him to the swamp. So they go to the swamp. They take him in there. They put him in the water, and uh, Louis still just kind of he don't know what to think about it. Right. He's, he's still kind of hurt over it because he, he still cared for him. Right. So they put Lestat's body in the water, and you see this alligator kind of take the body, and you see this blood triple up and all these bubbles and all this kind of stuff. Now, see, I, I will say, when I when I first seen that scene and his body's going underneath the water, and you see the alligator <clears> or the <throat> crocodile, whatever you want to call it, you see the tail... I saw the bubbles coming up, and I said, "Who's attacking who?" That was that's one thing I was like, right. you know, I don't know. I mean, it just hit me. I was right. like, no one who I felt like they played that really slick to where I don't know. Either the alligator was getting him, or maybe he woke up at the last minute. It was getting on the alligator. Yeah, well, you so, find out, right? Because uh, then it cuts to Louis talking about how they were getting ready to go. Back to the old country. Mm-hmm. They were getting the ship ready, and Claudia was studying. They were trying to figure out if there was anybody else of their kind. So they're looking for more vampires. Right. She was looking through the history books and all this kind of stuff, doing all this research. <clears throat> but then it finally shows them in the house. A lot of their stuff's like packed up. It shows like sheets over everything. So like they were going to be gone for a while. He takes this bird, and they try to set the bird free. Mm-hmm. Or they get a knock at the door. And he thinks it's the carriage. Well, they go to the door, and nobody's there at first. And then out of nowhere, Lestat comes up and got his hand on his throat. Yeah. But it doesn't look anything like Lestat. Yeah. He's all decayed, cut up. You can tell that he's just been through hell. And um, so he's he's sitting there. He's got Louis by the throat. Claudia comes in and screams. He kind of pushes him out the door. Or he pushes them away, and they go take off running. So right. Louis grabs Claudia. They take off running. They run into this room, and they hear the piano start playing. Yeah. And it's the same song that he was playing earlier whenever she walked in there. I liked how the uh, like the sheet or the curtain, whatever, wouldn't really let you get a good glance of his right. face. You tell it, it was him, but you could tell, like, he was decaying or something. But, yeah, yeah I, I did like that. It looked almost like, to me... Like a scene out of like Phantom of the Opera or something. Yeah. And he was hitting all these minor notes. And, and it's something that we haven't talked about through this whole movie. But I love the music in this movie. Mm. Because it just all has that somber 
melatonic feel to it. Right. And a lot of minor chords that give you that ominous feel to it. Yeah. So even when he's playing the piano, it's just the music is really good. And um, I don't remember if it's Louis or if it's Claudia that makes the comment of how is this possible or how how is it, you know, how is this, how can it be? Right. And that's when Lestat says the alligator helped. So now you get the idea that it was the alligator. Mm-hmm. He talks about how first it was the alligator, then it was the blood of the snakes and all the putrid life of the Mississippi. Right. So he, he just lets you know, you put me in the water, I took care of the alligator, and then everything else that I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. That was in the, the swamp. <clears throat> so he's sitting there steady playing the piano. They sh- they do a close-up shot of his face, and it's the first time you get a good look right. at what his face looks like now. And honestly, like out of graphics wise, out of the, all the vampires, this is the best look that I like because it's that putrid look. It's a face sunk in, so it looks like it's looks like it's thin. Uh, his skin is really thin, like you know what I'm saying, almost like a latex over something. And it looks like somebody that's been in the water for a while, right? You know, you've seen a lot of different movies where they pull a body out of the mm-hmm. water or something like, that, and that's actually what it would look like. So I thought they did a really good job of of giving him that depiction, but still keeping the facial structures that they had because they still had the sunken cheekbones and all that kind right. of stuff. But I thought they did a really good job at that. <clears throat> so he, he's playing the piano. He's playing these hard notes and he says, Claudia, you've been a very, very naughty girl. And then he goes after her. Yeah. <clears throat> Tosses Louis off to the side and he's chasing Claudia. Well, Louis grabs this lantern, throws it down at his feet and explodes and lights him, lights him on fire. Right, yeah. And then he starts running through the the rest of the house catching the curtains on fire and pretty much burning the whole house down climbing the walls and all this yeah he starts climbing the walls and the ceiling and stuff don't he yeah yeah and he's catching all those sheets on fire when they take out of the door they go to run on the ship the ship's getting ready to take off they think it's going to leave them they get on in time and it starts pulling off and all you see is this big fire right and it's just like, it almost looked like half the town was on fire well that's how I was wondering I was like man I was like how did it go from just that house to now the t- the little town's on fire, you know? Right. So then it cuts to Louis talking to Malloy, Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts talking about, so there's no Draculas, there's no, you know, and he's like fictions. It's all fictions. Right. It's just, it's just fake. I think he says it's uh, fictions of a crazy Irishman, which I'm assuming... I believe so. ...is uh, whoever directed... Dracula, yeah, or ever wrote Dracula, <clears throat> but they talk about how they've traveled. He starts, you know, you, you get the monologue of him talking about how they've traveled the world. You see him and Claudia on this ship, and she's doing these little charcoal paintings. Okay, see, that's the part. Okay, then I got that backwards. Yeah, yeah. this is where the the things start. Yeah, gotcha. so Go she's ahead. doing these little charcoal paintings, and it's a it's a skyline picture, and then the page flips over, and then you see another picture. Yeah, and the whole time he's talking about how they traveled the world first here, first here. They show um, the Sphinx and pyramids, so they've been there, but then they end up in Paris. Yep. So he talks about how. Now he feels responsible to kind of pick up where Lestat left off. Mm-hmm. It's spoiling her. So it shows her getting a dress made and she's being all lavish and they're going to parties. And Louis just basically saying, look, she's all I had left, so I had to give her what she wanted. Right. So, I mean, you kind of feel like he just feels obligated. Mm-hmm. 
So it shows them dancing around in the parties, and then it shows Louie walking down a dark road. And it's, it's not really an alleyway. It just looks like a dark road. Yeah. And, uh, and he talks about how he searched, and they never could find any more like them. And then he, what he said, then they found me. Yeah, he said, we searched all over, and then it was a vampire that found us. So he's walking down this road, and I really like the sound in this one because all you hear is the footsteps. Yeah. And but you don't hear two sets of footsteps. Yeah, he, yeah. The guy following him is walking perfect with him and doing the same exact thing Brad Pitt does. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he's walking directly behind him. He turns around to see him and the guy starts mimicking his movements, mm-hmm. motion for motion, everything he does. And then he finally he just kind of puts his hand up and the guy just kind of does his ballerina pose. And then he walks over to the wall and he's dancing around, starts dancing on the wall. He jumps up behind him, pops his hat off. Yep. Louis picks him up like this and he's just kind of shaking him. The guy just kind of floats off. And this is where we get introduced to Armand, who is played by Antonio Banderas. Yep. And he's got this very, not really, I wouldn't really say mystique about him, but this presence. Mm hmm. You know, he's just like, he's got this very strong voice. Anything Antonio Banderas is in, he's got a powerful presence. To yes, him. he does. He's, a, he's an amazing actor. Yes, he is. <clears throat> so, he, um, Brad Pitt makes the comment, he's like, I've searched the world for vampires, and this is what I find, like parlor tricks type stuff. So, he gives them this card to the theater. It's a theater that they run, and he says, Armand pretty much tells him, he's like, no one's going to hurt you, I can promise. Right. So you get him and Claudia going to this theater, and it's kind of kind of sum the theater up. It's basically a theater ran by a bunch of vampires, mm-hmm. and they're putting on plays. And the looks one like an opera house. Yeah, yeah. So they're putting on plays, and they're basically being they're vampires that are pretending to be humans, that are pretending to be vampires. Right. It's a comment that that Brad Pitt makes in the movie, and um, so they do this scene where the guy's doing this theater. He's death, and he's going through, and he's killing people. Well, the very last scene, they bring a human on, like an actual human, to make it seem like it's part of it. Well, she's really not. Um, so they bring her out. They strip her naked. Armand comes out. He kind of embraces her, thinking, you know, making sure she knows she's going to be okay. And then he just kind of shows her to the crowd. He takes her. He bites her. He feeds off of her, making it a part of the show. And then he kind of passes her back to everybody else. They lay her yeah. out. Yeah. And then they start eating on her. Looked like It looked like a scene from The Walking Dead. Yeah, the way they were going at her. Yeah, like when the zombies see one person laying there or a horse or something, mm-hmm. they just start going to Yeah. And this whole time, Louie and Claudia really don't know what to think about it. Mm-hmm. Because they are openly feeding on this human in front of everybody else. Right. But since they're using the disguise of... It's a play. It's a theater. You know, mm-hmm. we, can, we can do that kind of thing. People in the audience is just thinking, "Wow, this is amazing right. acting and uh, special effects." You know, right? So after the show's over, Armand kind of takes them down to what looks like a basement, and um, all you see in the walls is a bunch of these little cubby holes. So it looks like that's where they sleep, and they're basically telling them he's showing them around, and he's telling them that. This is what we got. So Louis and Armand start talking, and they're going back and forth about how where vampires came from. And Louis has all these questions about how he wants to know where these vampires or where they originated from. And and at first, Armand is like, "Surely you know the person that made you." Mm-hmm. And Louis's like, "Of course, but the person who made him." 
Yeah. He's got all these questions. They really want to know where these vampires come from. And my and my radar went off when uh what's his name, Armand? Armand, yeah. When he first started talking to Brad Pitt, I was like, Is he a gay vampire? Like that was the first thing that and I see what you were saying, because I asked you while I was watching the movie and you said they never come out and say it. But you get the indication. That yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, he had to be. Yeah, big well, time. Well, you see the way he looks at Louis. Yeah, and he's like stroking his hair and right. putting his face, you know. And well, this is where you kind of get an idea of how long vampires have been around. Because while Louis said he's been around for two hundred years, during the present time when he's talking in the interview, yeah, Armand makes the comment that he's been around for over four hundred years. Yeah. So, um. And he's never, he's never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, Louis coming into the old world from the new world. Right. So, Claudia and Louis go to leave. And then you get the monologue with Louis talking about what he was thinking about how he wronged Lestat. And the vampire that mimics stuff, he's like, how have you wronged him? So, you get, you know now that one of the vampires there can read minds. Yeah. So the whole time Louis's been thinking about Lestat, the vampires have known. So he makes the comment of there's only one rule among vampires and it means death and that's never kill another vampire. Mm-hmm. So they walk off and um, just kind of, you know, put put it off and do whatever he does. So it shows Louis and Claudia talking how Claudia is kind of upset because she feels like Armand wants to take Louis from her. Mm-hmm. He does. And, and you can kind of you kind of get that indication whenever right. they first meet. Um, and then she, she makes the comment that he wants you as a companion. Right. And then once again, so she said that, I was like, ooh, yeah, okay, I know exactly. where that's going, yeah. So then we're going to cut to, Louis goes back to talk to Armand. And this is where the conversation kind of gets a little more disturbing from Louis' standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Because Armand start they talk about how Claudia is in danger. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how uh, Armand makes the comment that it's forbidden to make a vampire so young. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier, how she right. was so young. Yeah. And, um, and if he wanted to save her, he needed to send her away. Yeah. So this is where you kind of get the hint like Claudia was right. He wants them all for himself. Yeah. Like he's, he just wants to get rid of Claudia. Um, and the the thing with Armand is I don't know if he's just infatuated with Louis from a like attraction standpoint, mm-hmm. but he makes the comment that he's like the connection between the old world and the new age, the new age, old age, and the new age. Yeah. So he feels like Louis his way to connect. Like he's been around for so long, Louis his way into the new world. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a comment that he knew Lestat because he said. Lestat must have wept when he made you because he started talking about how beautiful it was, which is another thing we were saying. It's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Um, but now even Lestat, is that the Tom, Tom Cruise? Cruise yeah. Even he makes that comment, you know, about how beautiful, how beautiful, beautiful he looks. Uh-huh. I'm like, golly, man. <clears throat> so then we cut to Claudia in the house, or um, Louis comes back to the house. Claudia's mm-hmm. there. Claudia's brought a woman. Yeah. And she's talking about how shy Louis is. So she goes up to him and the woman says, you need to feed. Yeah. So Claudia's told him they're vampires. 
And this woman knows they're vampires. And she already had bite marks on her neck, didn't she? Yeah, it looked like... Yeah, yeah I did. So, she's wanting to be turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. Louis doesn't want to do it. And, uh, what's the little girl's name? Claudia. Claudia wants her because she's like, you can't just leave me alone. I want a companion. Right. Because she knows that Louis's going to leave her. Or she thinks Louis's going to leave her. Right. Yeah. So, she wants him to give her somebody so whenever he leaves her for Armand, she'll have somebody that she can be with. Well, and, you know, she's had a father, you know, him... For all these years, and I, now it's like, well, she she had a mom when she really cared for, her, and now she's wanting to replace her old mom, and you know what I'm saying? Right. So I get that. You can, uh, you get that sense that she is angry with him, mm-hmm. but then she embraces him. She says, "I still love you." you yeah. Know, I, I just, I just need this because I know you're gonna leave me. She has some mood swings in this film, she's boy. Very bad. Very bad. Um. So it takes a little coaxing, and then he finally decides. He's sitting on there, and the woman walks over to him. And one of the things that she does, Louis, Louis talking to her, and he's like, do you even know where she is? You, do you see a child? And the woman says, a child that can't die. She opens up her lock, and it shows this picture of a blonde girl. Right. So basically what it is is she wants to be turned into a vampire so she can live with other, with, forever with Claudia, because she wants a child that won't die. So I'm assuming she's lost her child. Yeah, and they kind of favor each other. The yeah. picture and Claudia. Well, the picture looks just like Claudia. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how much they look alike. Um, so he finally, she finally comes up to him. He's sitting there. He finally grabs her and he bites her. And he's turning her into a vampire. Well, then it cuts to him out on the balcony just laying there. Yeah. And the woman's inside screaming, writhing around. She's dying the same way, you know, Claudia and him did. Right. Claudia comes out. She's like, what's wrong? She's like, she's dying. She went through the same change. And I really, this is probably my favorite line of the whole movie. Where Louis talks about how what died in there wasn't that woman. It was the last bit of humanity that I had. Yeah. So this is the first time he's ever turned somebody. Yeah. And he's kept every bit of humanity that he has through this entire movie and then he feels like this is where he lost it. Right. Which is it's almost heartbreaking. Yeah. Cuz he he was going to try to go without ever having to do that. Right. So but he, he did it out of love for Claudia. Right. Because and, and it makes me wonder if he had an actual sense that he was going to leave end up leaving and going with Armand. Mm-hmm. Well, while they're out on the balcony and all of a sudden the vampires from the theater come in and the woman said it's time for justice yeah so they take them back to the theater and they come up to the guy that does the mimicking and he looks at Claudia and then the woman and he says death for the others he looks at Louis and he says for you eternity in a box right so you don't really we don't really know what that means well they take they separate them they take Claudia and the woman they put them in this like circle room they shut the door and you look up and it's an open skylight. You see the moon. Almost looked like a whale to me. It, yeah, it did look like a, like a silo type uh-huh. thing. Well, they take Louie and they put him in a coffin and they lock the lid and they put him upside down in this hole in the wall and they end up putting stones and bricks all up in the wall. And they're basically just locking him up away in the mm-hmm. wall. He's kicking and screaming the whole time. And... One of the scenes, like, it really made me question the way Armand felt and if he knew anything about it was he was just kind of listening to this the whole time. Like, it Yeah. Showed, it showed him there, but he wasn't doing anything to stop it. Yeah, and it shows him just, like, shut the door and he keeps his hand on the door for a minute. It's like, 
man, is this right? Right. You know, it was like he had a, uh, kind of a doubt. Right. So it, it makes you wonder right then if he had anything to do with it. Right. <clears throat> so it goes a little further. It shows Claudia and this woman in this room while it's dark. But then it shows them, she wakes up, and she starts freaking out. Mm-hmm. And then you look up at the skylight, and you can see the sun kind of poking through. Right. Probably coming up, it's probably one of the heartbreaking moments of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So she's, it shows them, and it shows them cooking. So their skin's blistering, and they start turning into ash, mm-hmm. basically. So then it shows Armand going crazy on the wall. Yeah. He's got a crowbar. He's digging the, the coffin out. He pulls the coffin out. He opens it up. Pulls out Louie. He goes up. He's with Claudia. And he's like, I couldn't save him. So he gets up. Starts walking down the hallway. And Armand is looking at us like, I only care. It sounded like he said, I only cared to save you. That's what I thought he said, too. That's what, And that kind of just gives you the indication he knew this whole time. That's what he yeah. was planning on. Yeah. So Louie goes to walk through this hallway. All those vampires are lined up. Well, and that's where I, I, I felt like it was all a show. Right. Because they didn't even... Stop! Try to stop him or anything. They, yeah, they were gonna let him see what it was. Yeah, and this was their justice for her killing Lestat. Mm-hmm. This was this was them saying, "Hey, you can't kill another vampire." Right. Louis walks in there. He opens the door, and he just kind of turns away. And then it shows him turning back, and he's crying because he's seen Claudia sitting there just ash. She's, yeah, she's dead. She's hanging on to her companion now. Right. Yeah. For forever. Um, well, he touched her and then she turned away to dust. Yeah. Which kind of reminded us of what we were talking about with 1408. Mm-hmm. Whenever the, the daughter. Turned. Yeah. So then it cuts to him talking to uh, Christian Slater again and he, he cries. Yeah. And then Malloy, Christian Slater makes the comment so vampires can cry. And then he makes a comment once or twice in a long eternity. Yeah. So it was like he used up his one of his cries. Right. You know. Then it shows him walking back to where the vampires are, and this is where he's he's so pissed, his eyes are just as bright as can be. Yeah. And the look on his face is just like sheer, like mm-hmm. somebody's fixing to get it. <laughs> but the monologue talks about how he has decided he, this is how he's going to take revenge. Yeah. And um, so then he even tells the guy, he's like, all I think I had in my heart was revenge. So he goes through and it shows him opening these barrels, pouring wine or oil or something all over these caskets. Lights them on fire. All these vampires start waking up and they start climbing the walls. He goes over and he cuts one woman's head off. Best scene of the whole uh, film. He cuts the head off? No, just oh, that whole, whole scene. The whole scene. Vampires are crawling up the wall. He's cutting them up. Well, he comes running into the front part of the theater and the vampire that mimics is out there. And he's doing every motion again just the way he was doing it. Well, he actually pulls one over on him, and he goes to slice him. He comes up behind him, and he turns around, and he cuts him in half. I right. Love it. I love it. Yep. I love that kill. And then he just throws it down. He just I like that. throws it down right on top of him. And uh, the whole time, the the theater's burning down. When he goes to walk outside, and it's still daylight. Mm-hmm. He did all this while it was daylight, so the vampires were asleep. Yeah. He goes outside. It's daylight. He's hiding from the daylight. There's a carriage that comes in, and it's uh, Armand, and he saves him from the daylight. And um, so he he knew that he knew what Louis would do. Yeah. 
And that's kind of why he set him free because he wanted to give him that satisfaction. And that's what he even says. He goes, you knew what I was going to do. And he goes, yeah, how do you think I, uh, I saved you or something like that because, you know, out in the sunlight. Yeah. So then it goes to them two kind of talking. And that's when he says, he's like, you knew what I would do. And he's like, they lost, you know, Armand tells him, he's like, you know, they lost their way and all this kind of stuff. Here's the big scene. Where I was, I was just like you. I was like, "Don't kiss." I got worried. Um, So (laughs) Louis kind of makes the comment. He was like, "But you knew what I would do," and he just kind of goes up to him and he's like, "And you knew what you know? You wanted it done. You wanted us separated, right?" So he finally puts it all together that Armand was behind the whole thing. Yep, for them kidnapping Claudia and killing her. He he knew that's what he wanted to do. Yep, and. Kind of how we were talking. They just got so close. And I remember watching it. First time I was watching it, I was like, oh, please don't kiss him. This was Brad Pitt's character. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Louis. Louis. This was him almost seducing Armand and playing to his weakness. You know what I'm saying? For him. And, for him. Yeah, for him. Yeah. And that's what he said. And then he was like, he made me this offer. He's like, but I'm going to have to decline. Yeah. And Armand is just back there like jaw dropped. Can't believe he's he did all this work for nothing. Right. <clears throat> so then Louis takes him uh Christian Slater, he takes him through the rest of his life, how he moved back to uh America. Mm-hmm. He talks about how he got to see the sunlight again for the first time. It was first in gray when it was talking about movies. Yeah, and I liked how it showed uh he was watching Nosferatu. Nosferatu and um then he says something about his long lost blue. And through the whole movie, he makes mention that he misses that color blue. And it shows Superman. And it shows the Superman. And he sees his blue again. Um, now, is this when we're now? We're jumping into here where it's like 1980. Yeah, where he goes back and he's walking out of the theater. And he's walking around New Orleans. And he says he gets a, a stench of familiar death. Was it 1988? I don't remember the exact year. Uh, okay, go ahead. It was something around that time. Yeah. Um... So he's walking around, and he says he gets a, a stench of familiar death. He walks up to this old abandoned building, and he finds Lestat. Yeah. He's just... He, well, he finds a dead body out first. Well, he, yeah. He sees that body, and he walks up to these gates, and there's these dead rats. Yep. That kind of, I thought that was kind of interesting because of the way Lestat had said before. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is follow the rats, and I'll find you. Yeah. So he follows the rats through this. He goes into this old abandoned house, and Lestat's there. And... Basically, what Lestat, he's freaked out at first. Yeah, he's terrified of, uh, what's his name? Louis. Louis yeah. yeah, he's terrified. I like how the whole chair moved when he yeah. when he walked up. and He, he just, just kind of jumped back. Yeah. Um, so they're sitting there talking, and Louis telling him, he's like, look, don't be afraid. And Lestat's trying, eventually, once he calms down, he's, he's trying to get him to say, if you go out with me, I can get stronger again. And yeah. Make, and, you know, become the old Lestat. And he's just like, oh, it's not going to happen. Yeah, he's wanting him to get uh, young meat, young flesh, all right. that stuff, blood, whatever you want to call it. Right. So then it cuts to them. He's back in the room talking to Malloy, Christian Slater. Yep. And he's Malloy's like, that can't be it. You know, that, that can't be all of it. And he's saying, that you, there was a reason you brought me up here. Yeah, now he does say, though, when it cuts back real quick, uh, Louis looking out the window and he goes, that's the last time I ever seen him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he... That's the last time you ever seen what's his name? Lestat. Lestat. Yeah. So he's sitting there talking, and Malloy's basically telling him, he's like, look, there's a reason you brought me up here. You want a companion. 
and there's no way that I'm ever going to know how you feel until you turn me, basically. Right. And Louis just like, I've, I failed again. You know, yeah. He's just like, he's like, this is not what, not what it was. I don't want to turn you. And he just gets irritated. He picks him up, pins him up against the ceiling. And he's like, do you like this? Do you like being food for the immortals? Do you like to die? And then he drops him and disappears. Yeah, so Christian Slater wanted that power, right? He, he wanted it. Okay. I don't know if he wanted it at the very beginning of it. But no, he didn't. By the end of it, he wanted to become a vampire. After all that crap he heard. After all of that crap he heard. So he freaks out, gathers his stuff, runs downstairs, gets into his car. He hauls away squalling tires and everything. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. And um, shows him driving along. He's fumbling around. He pulls his tape out and he puts it in the tape player. And it's he's listening to it. And then out of nowhere, Lestat pops up in the backseat. Yep. Bites down on him really good. And he pushes him off to the side in the passenger seat. And he's like, I assume I need no introduction. Yeah. So this whole time, Lestat has been watching them to do the interview. So he takes the wheel. He starts driving. He's listening to the tape, and he's like, I've been listening to this for centuries. Yeah, he's like, "Are you? have you got enough? Still whining. Have you had enough? Yeah. Yeah. And then he says one of the things that he's been saying the whole movie. He's driving along, and he's like, I'm going to give you the choice that I never had. Mm-hmm. And then he just starts laughing. What's that choice? Whether or not he wants to become a vampire. And then he starts playing the... Uh, Please allow me to, to introduce, introduce myself. myself. Yep. yep. And then it cuts to the credits. <laughs> and that was an interview with a vampire. That is the end. One of my... If you like movie, or if you like a movie that is driven strictly by story, this movie has an amazing story to it. Right. So now we've come <laughs> to the spot I've been waiting for. Since we started this movie. Johnny, on a rating of 1 to 10, what would you give Interview with the Vampire? Okay, I'm going to say... I'm going to say what I... The rate, but I'm, I'm going to tell you the pros and cons that, of this film. Mm-hmm. On a scale from 1 to 10... I'm going to give it a 4.5. What? <laughs> a 4.5. What? <laughs> and that is because this is a one-timer for me. Mm-hmm. The movie was not as bad as I thought it would be. Like I said, I'm not a Tom Cruise fan. I would have never watched this film if we hadn't been doing this podcast. But I thought the storyline was really creative. Mm-hmm. A few death scenes really hit me. I felt like once Antonio Banderas' character got in, it got really boring again. Okay. Uh, I didn't like that whole thing. The Now, when he got pissed and he starts, you know, killing all the other vampires, I was right. like, man, I was really hoping they would have more of that in the film. Right. I really liked the chemistry that uh, Brad Pitt and what was the girl's name? Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, I thought they worked really well together. Yeah. But I'm just like I said to me, I thought I thought the story the movie was and the story was creative. I'm just not big into that kind of vampire stuff. Right. 
And I really was going into this like, man, it's going to get a one star. But I'm going to give it a 4.5 just because, to me, it was a one-timer. I'll never watch it again. And it was it, to me, it was like too long. They could, I, th- I thought they could have really cut some of them scenes out and quit dragging it out so much. Right. But overall, it was better than what I thought. And like I said, yes, it was creative, but and I and I got to get over Tom, Tom Cruise <laughs> because like he would pop up, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm right. saying? But I'll get, you know, I'll give it a four point five. It's better than I thought you were going to <laughs> I'll give it. That's what I'm going to give it. For for me, I'm going strictly off the story. I'm going to give it a six and a half. Okay. Um, for the story, I will agree, being a two-hour movie, I feel like there was a lot of stuff that they could have cut out yeah. that wouldn't have taken away from it. Right, right. And, and I agree with you 100%. Like, right after Antonio Banderas came in... Mm-hmm. Minus the kill scene with all the vampires, right? It did start to get boring. Yeah, um, but I mean, I, I yeah, there's just certain scenes in it that were like it, it didn't really give anything to it. Mm-hmm. But then the scenes that did provide for the story to me were like really powerful. I do feel, and I, I mean, and I feel like if the movie would have been shorter, I think I would have gave it maybe a little bit more higher rating. Right. I don't think it would have been a six. I think I would give it maybe a five or five right. and a half. I mean, I wasn't disappointed in the film. Right. And like I said, it was creative. But I just felt like there were some times where I was like, okay, it's starting to get repetitive. Right. And um, I don't know. I don't know what it was because I was really looking forward to Antonio Banderas' character. Right. And when he popped in, it just it just seemed like the whole demeanor of the film went down for that. You could tell they were winding down. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. man, come on. And... I don't know. I, I guess maybe if they could have changed it to where these vampires, it wasn't the whole subduction thing where he Antonio Medeiros wanted them as a companion and all that. If it could have just went straight from like these vampires realize, oh wait a minute, Chris um, Claudia is that her name? Yeah, Claudia and Louis in our town. She killed so and so. Let's just go after them, like a mob right. type, but. Yeah, I feel like if they would have cut more of the scenes out and made it a shorter film, it was what, a two-hour movie? It was a little over two hours. I think if they put it at about an hour and a half. Well, I was even going to say, even an hour and 40 minutes. Right. Just a few of those scenes. Well, just like with The Shining, uh, when we did our review on The Shining. I like The Shining. But, you know, we were talking about, like, there's some of them camera shots where it takes forever to get down a hallway. Mm. And people's like, oh, they're building suspense. They are, but then again, they're also taking forever and they're they're getting shots right and they're they're like i've said with the shining i love the shining i can't watch it over and over i watch them every once a year right where this film right here you get into the more of the vampire stuff than i right. do uh, like i said when it comes to vampires mine's more like lost boys <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah i mean yeah but yeah i like i said i mean I know you thought I was going to give it... I figured you wanted a lot higher than that, but I... I, I, honest, I I'm not mad about a 4.5. I, I mean, it's better than the the crappy rating you gave... Uh, well, I will tell you Killer this. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And, you know, that's that's the bad thing is I like Killer Clowns way better than I like this film. Right. I love Killer Clowns. But, like I said, 
I can't rate Killer Clowns higher than this, just specifically because this one did have a a good backstory. Right. And that was one. That's what. That's one thing I forgot to mention. I really like backstories, uh-huh. and this one had one. They covered all the bases. Right. So that right there was already a score for me. Right. Where Killer Clowns didn't. You didn't know where these aliens come from right. and all that. So <laughs> you always go throw that back in my face, but oh, I think Killer Clowns. <laughs> you and Brad both. <laughs> Killing the movie. But yeah, so you're saying a what? A six? six I, I'm gonna give it about a six and a half. There you go. Okay. Six and a half to a four and a half. So that's not that's not bad. And see, and I figured you were just gonna give it higher than that, but. I mean, you're being legit about it. I'm so. being, being 100% honest, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I agree that it was too long, and there were scenes that could have been cut out that wouldn't have taken away from it. Right. So, yeah. It was, there was just some points in there that we were like, or I felt like, okay, we get the picture. Yeah. Let's. Right. You don't have to keep explaining it. Come on. Right. They just played it out too long. Right. I'll give you that one. So, pretty much that's it for this episode, then. This was a long episode. I had a feeling it probably would be being a two-hour movie. Yeah. And so the next one, when we come back in March, we are doing... Time for the Little Leprechaun. Yes. We are going to do the best one out of the series, the first Leprechaun. What, I believe that came out in 93. Mm, something, yeah. Somewhere starring... Uh, Warwick Davis. And the female... Uh, um, Jennifer, is it Jennifer Aniston? Yes, Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. And I don't know the guy's name, but he's from Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the guy's Pee Wee's Big Adventure and yeah. all that. Yeah. He plays Ozzy. Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. So in March, like I so said, we're trying to keep certain themes going on. So uh, we've already got some planned out. So next uh, next month, March, we'll be doing the Leprechaun series. I believe we're going to do the first one. And which one did we decide to do on that? I think the- we're going to do Origins. So we're going to do the No, no, no. We're not doing Origins. Uh, which one? That's the, the remake. Oh, is that one? Is that called or- Origins? I don't know. If it's called Origins. <laughs> anyway, it'll be the original Leprechaun with Warwick Davis. Yes, and then we'll be doing the remake that just came out probably within like the what last five years? No, it only it came out like a year or two ago. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be Leprechaun Origins. I know that one. Okay. So no, it, it would definitely be the remake of Leprechaun. Yes, and I, I'm I'm worried about that one because it doesn't have Warwick Davis in it. And I've seen it, and it wasn't as bad. Really, I'll say it that way. I mean, it it's actually a pretty decent. So I think you'll dig it. Right on. But anyway, uh, we hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Uh, is there anything else you want to bring before we sign off? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered everything in this. Two hour podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, there you go. When you start doing these longer movies, man, for sure. I think this one was longer than The Shining, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. But felt like it. Anyway, uh, like we always say, we hope you were enjoying the podcast. Continue to um, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy. Tell your friends and family to look us up if they enjoy listening to podcasts about horror movies or anything horror genre. Yep. So, that being said, we're fixing to sign off. So, as always, stay scared. Stay spooky.